while the officers are completing the offering. Just, I know Amy's going to talk about this later too, but um, we are hoping to get on the circuit this Christmas. Of all the people in Westminster that drive around looking at lights, we want to be one of the stops in that place. So that's, we're going for it. We're spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars on lights. If you have lights you want to donate, you want to donate towards the lights. We want to light the trees. We want to light, you know, displays about the nativity. We want this to become a place that people drive by and smile and see the truth about Christmas and with some lights and all that stuff. And so, so we're doing it. We're going for it. I'm inviting you to be a part. Men, I'm inviting you to step up and help us out. Okay? Not for your wives doing it. Come on, man. Be men and help me out. Okay? I'm sick and tired of just all the ladies stepping up, and I don't ever hear from the men. So men, show up and help out. Okay? That's, that's, that's my, my Pastor Mike, you know, moment there. <laughs> so um, it's a simple thing, but it could become a big thing. And just people coming in, it gets them you know, used to this place, this property. Maybe they'll eventually come in the doors, like some of you maybe have this morning, and, or maybe you're watching online, you haven't even entered the doors yet, but you're, you're checking us out, and, and, and you're discovered that, yes, there is a message here for me. And I hope even today, as we come to Jonah chapter 2, you're, you're going to find that there's a message for you as well. All right. Praying in times of failure. All of us know the agony of failure. Just the, the depths of when you've just blown it. Some are worse than others, but all of us have experienced that, you know, falling on our face, you know, hitting rock bottom or, you know, whatever it is. We've all had moments of failure. Some, some you know, small, some big, but all of us have experienced failure. And what Jonah 2 reminds us of is that we can actually discover God in the midst of our failure. Some of you might be thinking, I'm too far gone for that. I'm outside of the reach of God's grace. But you'll discover you're never that far outside of the reach of God's grace. Jonah has received a message from God, go to Nineveh. Instead of going to Nineveh, he run, tries to run away from God. God hurls a storm on, on the sea. He's in a boat, and, and you know, and, and he, you know, he, you know, the sailors are praying to God. I called them pagans last week, and that wasn't trying to be derogatory. What I'm trying to say is to the Jewish mind, anyone that wasn't Jew was a pagan, right? So, so this is the, the Jewish listener, would, would, reader would understand that, yes, anyone who's not a Jew, of course, is a pagan. But in Jonah 1, the pagans, they're not real pagans. They're just regular people eventually discover God, and they're praying to him at the end, but Jonah is not praying. He doesn't pray, he doesn't pray, he doesn't pray. He's like, throw him in the water, the, the, you know, the storm will abate, and he throws him in the water, boom, Jonah hits the water, and he begins to sink. And the storm stops, but not before Jonah has gone through the surface of the water and is beginning the descent. You know, you think about the worst ways to die. Drowning is one of the, you know, top ten of that, right? You hold your breath. People that have survived drowning episodes, you know, they got resuscitated. We'll talk about how your head feels like it's going to explode. Boom, 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 boom. Apoxia is slowly setting in as, as you're deprived of oxygen, as you sink deeper and deeper and deeper. And you're waiting for that moment when you just want to get relief and open up your mouth. But you know that, that as you open up your mouth, it's all over. Jonah 
is sinking. Of course, the, the truth of the matter is the more anxious you are, the faster it'll happen. If you're flailing and blah, you know, pretty soon the water's going to get into your lungs and, the, you, know, all, you, know, all the, you know, you're not going to be able to breathe. Your heart will be, feel the pressure and you'll die of a heart attack or whatever the case may be. I mean, it's, it's a horrible. And Jonah's sinking, 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 sinking. And he's not praying yet. Why wouldn't he call out to God as he's drowning? In his last moments, why wouldn't he, he just scream, Lord, save me, but he doesn't. And he's getting to the point, he's, the light is getting dimmer on the surface of the water. This is like, you've seen this in movies, right? You know, the, the body's just kind of going down, 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 down. And he's like, I can't keep my mouth shut any longer. I'm just going to take in a big mouthful of salty water and die. Drowning victims that were resuscitated said that actually when you take in that breath, there's this cool feeling in your body, and then it all blacks out. Boom. But a few of these people, they've dragged out and resuscitated, and they're, you know, they're better. But Jonah's like, okay, this is it. I'm going down. I'm dying. I'm just going to die. And then all of a sudden, shoomp. he's dead. Or at least he thinks he's dead. But if he's dead... Why suddenly can he breathe? It is the oddest situation because he's like, okay. And now in the Old Testament idea, the, 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 the place of death was this dark place called Sheol. It was this place of shadows, of, of uncertainty. Of, you know, it was this kind of weird sort of shadow land, dark place. You couldn't worship Yahweh in Sheol. It's a sort of like this intermediary, intermediary place where you go until God settles the accounts. And, you know, the, so the Old Testament person wasn't sure what, what would happen. And so he's like, I'm, I'm in Sheol, I guess. It's hot in Sheol, which, of course, what we would expect, right? But it's humid in Sheol. So that's really odd. And it smells like fish. <laughs> you see that in verse 17 of chapter 1. The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. He's still not praying. He's ready to die. And in the moment that he's about to die, suddenly God's like, okay, no, it's not happening. He's in a fish. He thinks he's in Sheol. He thinks he's, I, I went to hell, basically, is what he, you know, he feels like. But, he's, but is, this, is this hell? It's dark. It's slimy. It's, you know, it's moving. I mean, wh what is going on here? And the way it's written, he just stubbornly holds on to this experience for three days and three nights. You know, some of you have waited for things. I mean, Elijah and Abigail are waiting, right? It feels like years, you know, waiting for that baby to show. I mean, if, if you're in a plane and you're on a tarmac and you've landed and they're like, oh, the, the gate's not open yet, it feels like those 10 minutes are like three hours, right? I mean, can you imagine sitting inside of a, of, of a fish? It's dark, it's slimy, it's wet. You're breathing, but you're, you're alive, but you're not alive. And then you're, and you're waiting. You're like, what's going on? What, is this death? Is this Sheol? Really? Is this Sheol? But, but I'm, I'm still breathing. I'm alive. I don't see any lights. I don't see the Lord. I don't see any other saints. I don't, like, where, where am I? And then, you know, and, and he's just stubbornly holding on to his resolve. I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to pray. And God just works on him slowly, but surely. No, Jonah, you are going to pray. 
you're going to get to a place where you realize why you are where you are right now. And you need to turn to me. Like I said last week, and you weren't here maybe, there are some storms that come into our life as a direct result of our disobedience to God. Circumstances that, that, are, that are there because we have stepped away from God and God's like, I need you to get back on track. So I'm just going to bring some things into your life that, that make it a little more difficult so that you turn back and get on the right road so you're moving in the right direction. Sometimes we cause those. There are other storms in life that are just the reality of living in a sinful world where people are fallen and there's, you know, there's nefarious activities going on all around us and the enemy has infiltrated different society, you know, cultures and societies to try to draw people away from God. And we live in that kind of a world, but there are those storms. And Jonah is in the belly of a fish because he refused to listen to God and to talk to him. It is the depth of his failure right here. He was ready to die, and God's like, you're not going yet. He swallows. I mean, he's there, he's there, he's there, he's there. First day, second day, third day. The ancient Near Eastern literature, which is extant to this period of time, would describe that a journey to the place of the dead would take three days. And so I think that, you know, narrators, including this, this notation, so you realize, well, first of all, you know, like, like, like yeah, yeah, you know, he, he was as close to death as you possibly could be, but also... There is no way that a person could survive in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights. I found in 2021, a man was swimming, (laughs) uh, diving for lobsters and uh, in Massachusetts, the Cape Cod area, and he felt a bump and suddenly, this 60,000 pound whale swallowed him. And then seconds later, came to the surface and spit him out. (laughs) So he was swallowed, but like spit out, you know, and he was wearing a mask with oxygen. So, I mean, but but you can survive, you know, those short encounters. But three days and three nights would, would seem to be a physical impossibility. This is a miracle. It's a miracle that God would care about someone that much. That he would intervene even as he descends to the bottom of the ocean and bring a great fish that he created for this purpose to preserve his prophet so that he could accomplish his will through Jonah. God is not done working through you people or through me. Even in spite of our failure, God still wants to accomplish his will in and through our lives. And so, so you know, like sometimes it gets pretty low, but, but then, then we can finally turn to him. You see chapter 2, verse 1. Jonah prayed to the Lord, the God, from the belly of the fish. Finally, Jonah's praying. And then what we have here is a record of his prayer. Uh, Verses uh, 2 to verse 9. It's a testimony. It's him sharing his experience. He incorporates psalms in this. Probably as he sat in the fish, he's thinking about this stuff. And finally, he prays, and he gets to deal with God. He just encounters God in that moment, and he talks about his experience. Chapter verse 2, it says, I called to the Lord in my distress, and he answered me. I cried out for help from deep inside Sheol, and you heard my voice. So this is parallelism, right? He's, He's basically saying the same thing in both lines. But he's like, I called out, and you heard me. Remarkable. I was, I was in such a place that seemed so far away from you, and yet you, even there you heard me. You think God can't hear you. He hears you. When you're in that deep and dark place, he can still hear you. 
you might think I, I don't even have a line to God. Yeah, no, he can hear you no matter where you are. It says in verse 3, you threw me into the depths. When you threw me into the depths, into the heart of the seas, and the currents overcame me, all your breakers and billows swept over me. He's describing his experience like I was dying. But more than that, I realized that, am I ever going to see, what's my life going to be after this? Verse 4, he says, I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. That could be actually translated, will I ever see your holy temple again? Will I ever see it? I have a picture of the temple. I missed a couple of pictures there, but here's the temple. This is in Jerusalem, the place where you met the Lord, the place where you worshiped God, the place where you brought your sacrifices for sin. This is the place of atonement, the place of, of reconciliation with God. He's like, will I ever see that again? He has his visions in the back of his mind. Will I ever get to that place where, 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 where God is, is once again, you know, I, I'm able to worship him. He's, he's wondering. In verse 5, it says, the waters engulfed me up to the neck. The watery depths overcame me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. So, you know, he's, he's describing his experience. I'm going down. I, I, I'm feeling the, the, the seaweed around my, you know, like, like, like it's over. It says in verse 6, I sank to the foundations of the mountains. The earth's gate shut me behind, behind me forever. And so they, they had this idea, like, she was this place of, like, like a prison. There were bars there. And once you got to Sheol, there was no getting out. You were there forever. He's like, I, I, I can see the gates shutting over my body. I'm like, this is it. And then it says at the end, then you raised my life from the pit. Lord, my God. I don't think Jonah expected to find God at the bottom of the sea. In his moment of near death, but that's where God met him. Some of you will get low before you discover God's grace and, and move up. But all of us have that experience. But then you raised my life from the pit. Again, a, a word describing Sheol or the place of, of the dead. It says in verse 7, As my life was fading away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you, to your holy temple. Again, I got another picture of the temple here. Yeah, there it is. It's like, even here, you heard my prayer. I'm in this fish, some sea creature, and your way, you know, the temple was the place where, where the, you know, they envisioned God dwelling, the place where he met people, the place where, where people kind of made peace with God. And so he's like, yes, even from, from here, my, my prayer got to you. You heard my prayer. Let's go back to the verse there. I remembered the Lord. The idea of remember is the mental act of focusing on something, which becomes a basis for action. So it's not like, oh, I remember something, and then you just, oh, that's nice. But you remember, and then you actually, it corresponds into practical action. I remembered, and now Jonah is at this place. He's confessing. He's, he's getting right with God. And he tells about one of the lessons that he learned in verse 8. Those who cherish worthless idols forsake or abandon their faithful love. And that's the word chesed in the faithful love. It's God's loyal love. People that cling to things that, and, and hope on things that don't last, they miss out on the best that God has for them. 
those who cling to worthless idols. And he could have said, I could have clung to my pride. I could have hung on to my, my self-respect and all the things that I thought I, I had on my rights. He's sitting in the whale. I have a right, Lord. I don't want to go to Nineveh. I don't want to listen to you. I want to obey you. It's my life. It's my life. And God's like, it's not your life. You wouldn't have your life if I wouldn't just appointed a fish to swallow you. It's my life. It's my life. It's my rights. It's my ways. It's my... How many times do we do that and, and, and we miss God's faithful love? What idol do you cling to? It's like, oh, my money is going to help me through the crisis that's coming. And, and, and my job will give me the security that I need. And, well, I'll just get married. And then, then she or he will help me to, to feel better about myself. And I'll have success in life. And, well, if I just, you know, manage to get this certain body shape or, or a full head of hair, whatever it is, we cling to the idols. And we miss out on God's faithful love. Of course, those sailors on the boat in chapter 1, all calling out to their little idols, and in the end, they encounter the, the God of, of, of Jonah and, and the God of, of creation, the God of the seas and land, and they worship, and they, and they vow to him, and they sacrifice to him, and, and they, they, you know, the idols didn't, didn't deliver them, but God did, and they, they encounter him. Maybe you're like, you know, I've tried this, 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 and now today, God is saying, have you tried me? I can help you out of the place that you've gotten yourself into. Would you believe in me? Would you trust in me? Would you turn to me and discover my faithful love today? It says in verse 9, But as for me, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. Now, remember, Three days, three nights in the belly of a whale. Dark, slimy, wet, hot, humid. And he's thanking the Lord. He has no idea how this story is going to end, but, but now he's at a place where his heart is settled with God. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, the, the circumstances still aren't great, but I'm good because I, I, I feel like I've made peace with God. It doesn't matter what happens now. It's a wonderful place to be. You know, you could have cancer and everyone giving you a bad prognosis, but you're like, I've got God. Things are good. I don't know how it's going to end. doesn't matter. I've got God. Things are good. You're like, okay, you know, my, my family has fallen apart. My, my marriage has ceased. All these things have happened, but I've got God. And I met him in this moment and he's carrying me through. Yeah, that bankruptcy was painful, hard. I wouldn't wish it on anyone, but I've got God now. And I feel like I'm richer now than I ever was when I had money. I don't know what that circumstance is for you. But I will sacrifice with a voice of thanksgiving. I'll fulfill what I vowed. And then he says in the end of verse 9, salvation belongs to the Lord. And we look for things to save us. Oh, the government will save me. Oh, my, my nest egg will save me. Oh, my tight family network will save me because family is everything, right? You've watched Fast and Furious. Family is everything. And you're like, no, but, but actually family isn't everything. It's good, but it, but it won't save you. My career will save me. My reputation will save me. What will save you? And Jonah in the pit of the sea and the, in the belly of a great sea creature says, salvation is of the Lord. It comes from God alone. The truth about Jonah chapter 2 is that some of you have not had this great a failure. 
but you've had a failure. And we need to recognize that we all are like Jonah in some ways. I mean, I mean, some of you have, have you're hundreds of meters below the, the, the level, the surface of the water, and you're sinking. Others of you have fallen into a puddle, an inch of water, and you're breathing it in. Like, we're all dying. You know, we're all going to, we're all, all failed. But it doesn't matter if it's deep or if it's shallow. All of us need what only God provides, salvation. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And he encounters that in a deep, dark moment of his life. And all of us need to encounter. I've heard some really good stories the last month from families in our church. Uh, teenagers that have come to faith in Christ and, and parents that have had opportunities to pray with their kids. It's awesome. I heard about a five-year-old who came home and his mom were having a great dad. We're having a great conversation. And, and he prayed to receive Christ. So this is happening. It's awesome. The greatest privilege that a parent can have is to pray with their kid to receive Christ. I mean, there's not a greater experience in life than that. To see your children become God's children, boy, that's way better than anything else God could give you for your kids. Salvation belongs to the Lord. That's his final words of this prayer that's recorded in Jonah chapter 2. And... And he doesn't, like, so, yeah, salvation belongs to the Lord. He's still in a fish. He, like, like he, there, there's no, in the sense of, like, well, what's going to happen now? I don't know, but he knows, and I'm good with that. And God says, okay, now you've gotten to the place where I can work with you again, Jonah. In verse 10, then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto the dry land. I got a picture here. <laughs> there he is. I don't know what it looked like. Use your imagination. They figured that his skin may have been bleached inside the mouth of the whale, and so he came out kind of looking like a, you know, like a one of those guys without pigment, you know, those, uh, you know, white, glowy kind of people, you know, alienish. Right? So there he is, and God's like, now let's do this again. We'll get that in chapter three. But understand, you you may have gone to a point where, where you're like, can, can God do anything with me? And God takes him to that experience. He finally prays. He prays the prayer of thanksgiving. He acknowledges God as a source of salvation. And then there he is on, on, on the beach. And we say, well, what are the lessons of this chapter? Well, here they are. The first one, Jonah chapter 2. God is relentless in his pursuit of us. You know, we try to run away from him, but he doesn't let us go. He cares for you so much that, that he just wants to get your attention. And you run away and, and you, you, know, you, you pretend he's not speaking. You, you try to try hide from him, but he's like, he's like no, no, I, I love you that much. Now, if you're a parent, you understand this. Especially if you maybe have a kid that you're estranged from. You understand this. Maybe you're estranged from your parents. You understand this. I mean, but God the Father in his deep love and compassion and mercy and grace says, Oh, how I just want you to be part of my family. And he doesn't give up on us, even though everyone else might. And worst of all, we give up on ourselves. We think, I am not worthy of anything. I'm such a loser. No one has any hope for me. And God says, no, 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 I have hope for you. Number two, God hears us when we call out to him out of our brokenness and failure. Uh, if you remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about the Pharisee and the tax collector. God is not interested in self-righteous prayers. 
that just kind of bounces off the, the ceiling. You don't get, those prayers don't get to him. But people that come to him in brokenness and failure, God's like, yes, I hear that one. That line, he, he, he answers that line, that call. And he responds in grace and mercy and offers forgiveness to anyone who calls out to him in brokenness and failure. This is the good news. This is what we talk about new life, right? You're like, my past life is, is a horrible mess. But God says, great. Now let me start fresh with you and let's build a new life based on Jesus Christ. Where you can move up and out in new life in Jesus Christ. Together with other people like you. Broken, hurting, messed up people. That's what our church is all about. And God hears us. Today, if you're, if you're, if you're here or if you're watching online, you can reach out to God and just say, Lord, you know, man. I didn't think anyone could help me. But your word seems to indicate that you will help the broken and, and the hurting and the, and, and the messed up failure. So, so would you just help me, Lord? I, I call out to you. And, and he hears that one. He answers it. Verse number three. Uh, God is the only source of hope and salvation. If you're counting on anything else to get you through, you will be disappointed. Even the people that you love the most won't carry you as far as you need to be carried. They're, they're there to help, but, but what only God can do, only God can do. And so he is the only source of hope. Okay? A new government won't fix all the problems in our country. You understand that? It'll help some of them, but it won't fix all of them. A new mayor, a new principal, a new this, whatever. We all, a new, a new boss at work, we all have those situations where they go, oh, if I just had this, if I just had this, if I just, had, if I just won the lottery, if I just, and, and, and the point of the Bible is, is to help us to realize that God is the only source of hope. And if you put your hope in something else, today I encourage you, and I plead with you, and I just implore you to turn and put your hope in God alone. And verse, I mean, number four is uh, prayers of confession are an effective way to handle our failures. Just come clean with God. Just put it out there, Lord. Here it is. Psalm 32, verse 5 says, Then I acknowledged my sin to you. I did not conceal my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can claim these verses and just confess your sin. What do you do when you failed so bad that no one else can help you or wants to see or even talk to you? Come to God. Now, here's what the other side of this. Some of you maybe aren't in a point of failure. You're good. You've been walking in obedience and fellowship with God, but maybe this week God is going to bring one of these people into your life. And you can give them a message of hope because, yeah, you know what, God doesn't give up on people. Even though we give up on each other, we give up on ourselves, God never gives up on people. And, and through Jesus Christ, you can find hope and restoration in life. Maybe you this week will be given that opportunity. Be prepared. The message is for us <laughs> that have failed and discovered God's grace. And then the message is for those that you work with, those that live in your neighborhood, those that you go to school with, those that you play hockey with, those that you quilt with, those that you play chess with, whatever you do, those that you play video games with. <laughs> Someone, maybe, in your life needs to hear this message. And we have the privilege of bringing the good news of Jesus Christ. Team, would you come up? We're going to sing a, a closing song here.
So when you fail, what can you do? You can pray. And God will meet you in that place of failure and help you out. Don't let it get to a storm and, and a drown, near drowning and big fishes. Like, like you, you don't have to get to that place. Just get to that place today and find the hope and the forgiveness and the mercy and the grace of God through Jesus Christ today. Would you just pray with me? And the team's going to lead us in this song. Maybe God's speaking to you this morning. And I invite you to meet him wherever you are. Bring your junk and say, Lord, you know all this stuff. And I confess it to you and I I ask for your forgiveness and I need help. I need need you. He promises to meet you in that place. I I believe in Jesus Christ. Your son who died for my sins, he rose again, and I, I want to experience that new life. I want to put what, was, what I've lived so far behind me, and I want, to, I want to step out in a new life today through Jesus Christ. And, and you could pray that prayer. And God erases the failures from your life, and, and he sets you on a new path, and a new trajectory, a new life in him. Lord, thank you for saving us. And I pray that that we would experience that grace and mercy today. And also, Lord, that we would be agents of mercy and grace in our community. Lord, may this message go from your people here into the workplaces, into the schools, into the community centers and the sports arenas of our city that, that as hurting people encounter your people, that they would bring a good news story to them that through Jesus Christ they can have hope. Lord, help us to do this. Thank you for your grace and mercy. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with the team as we...